In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. It is time to pray for wisdom. If you're, there's an error in your life or you cannot make decisions against yourself, pray for wisdom. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. From Men in the Arena, it's Equipping Men in 10. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we, we salute, salute you. you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to another episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. I'm Jim Ramos, and if you couldn't tell, I'm here with our producer uh, and friend Dale Culver. What is going on today, man? Just hanging out with you. This has been a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. We just got done interviewing a guy in India, and that was one of the roughest interviews ever. Not because of him, because there was a barrier. There was a language barrier. There delay. was a distance barrier. There's a delay. Uh, it's really hard to interrupt a guy when there's a delay. You know, that's my go-to is the interrupt. Five-second anyway, delay. <laughs> seriously, it was really good. But he's got a great, great thing going on over there in one of the, in one of the least christian areas on the planet mm. it's pretty cool anyway hey i want to get into our podcast we're going to go into our 20th quality and final quality of the full capacity man i do want to say this before we get into the man word so guys i want to start a series for as long as we need to go just called ask me anything we've done this before but if you have any questions about manhood about marriage about fathering about anything that has to do with you becoming your best version Hit us up at info at menarena.org, and I will try to tackle that. If we use your idea, we'll hit you up with some swag. You can also reach us through Instagram or Facebook, but really the easiest way is just to send us an email at info at menarena.org. We get it. It's easy to see. It doesn't get lost in the shuffle, and uh, we would love to hear from you guys, and we would love to uh, put your question on display. But before we do that, Dale, do you have a man word for me today? Yes, uh, I'm going to have to hyphen this one because it's two words in one. Don't hate on me. But mine is something that we are lacking a lot of these days, and it is common sense is my man word. And <laughs> That is like not even, you can't even hyphenate that. Uh, it's just two words. It's just two words. I'm going to just, I make the rules. How about so. we call it, hey, Dale, what's your man phrase today? <laughs> common sense, baby. Oh, that's it, great. It's it, Beautiful, I, two words. I remember growing up and listening to older men like, man, these kids these days have no common sense. And as I'm getting older, I'm looking around going, okay, I'm not saying I'm the smartest guy in the world, but you might be book smart, but come on, dude. You're going to get eaten alive if you don't like learn some street smarts, some common sense, 
this is going to be the effect of you doing this over time, you know, sort of thing. And so I think it's just important that uh, we learn some common sense and allow some dudes around you to help you uh, gain some common sense. And if they say, hey, bro, you're doing something stupid, maybe listen. You know, that's really interesting. I was reading in the Bible just this morning. I'm going through the pastoral epistles, which if you don't know, that's a uh, First Timothy, Second Timothy, and Titus. And I'm going through verse by verse, and I'm journaling. And this morning was Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 7. It talks about these teachers that come into the homes of women. Mm. And at the time, it might have been sounded weird, but I think that's really television. And it talks about them giving women knowledge without truth. Mm. And it hit me. We live in a generation. We just shut down our cable. We don't have cable anymore. Uh, one of the reasons was I didn't want to pay $100 for I didn't use. So we just shut it down. But the other reason is there's so much garbage, so many lies coming through the television, right, that people believe, not only through the news, but through social media outlets. I mean, we're inundated with knowledge, mm -hmm. but knowledge and truth are not synonymous. Correct. And we have to be very, very careful. And the problem with, and I don't want to give this generation a bad rap because I was the guy that I think lacked common sense. I think a lot of guys were. But the problem is having knowledge without truth. You know, the Bible says, I think it's in 1 Corinthians 8, 1, that knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And so this is what you're talking about. You're saying mm -hmm. you need to gain wisdom. You need to gain truth from people who know it instead of like just following some of this garbage that's out there. And don't think for a second that you might have it all figured out. Well, this is a problem, you know, you you know, I didn't know what I didn't know when I was a young right. guy. And young guys are better off just to shut up and listen to the older guys and learn from their experience. I mean, there's really something to be said there, something very very profound that the young guys should lean on. Here's the other deal. When a young guy reaches out to me and said, "Hey, can you go to coffee or go to lunch?" I go, "Yeah," and I pay. Cuz the old guys pay. That's the way it works. So, it's just a great opportunity for a young guy to gain knowledge, gain truth, gain understanding, gain wisdom from an older guy. Mm -hmm. And so I think there is a common sense thing that is lacking because we are filling our minds with knowledge but not truth. True. And we're filling our minds with knowledge without experience. <laughs> and so that's a big deal. So, <laughs> Well, that, that kind of leans into today a little bit. Today I'm going to talk about the 20th quality of the full-capacity man, and this is the final one. Again, we'll do our Ask Me Anything series after that. If people have any questions, if not, we'll do some other series. I want to talk about the wise man. The subtitle here, and I want you to chew on this subtitle. The subtitle of this is Make Decisions Against Yourself. Now, I want you to think about that, and I'm going to tell you a bear hunting story. Several years ago, I was hunting bear. I've only really hunted bear a couple times, and on this particular trip, I made a a really good 370-yard shot. I killed this beautiful uh, bear, and it was right at dark, and the bear rolled down the canyon into the bottom of this deep, dark canyon. And in Oregon, it's really hard to get across canyons because not only are they steep, but they're, they're polluted with blackberries. It's just very, very hard to navigate through the blackberries, the dark timber, the five-foot-tall ferns. It's just really, really 
difficult during the day. Well, this was nighttime, and and we were getting ready to go down in there, and I'm with my cousin, and and I said, you know what, I'm I, I shot this bear. I'm making the call. We're gonna go back and spend the night back at our camp, and then we'll just come back in the morning. And he really wanted to get across that canyon, and he ended up saying, kind of disgusted at me. He said. Well, that is the prudent thing to do. Anyway, so we went back. It's a good thing we went back because the next morning on the way in, he shot a giant black bear, and my bear barely bled, and we almost didn't find it in the daytime. Luckily, we were able to find it, but we would have never found that bear in the nighttime. So I made a, a wise decision, even though everything in me wanted to go for it. So in, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, Paul uses a very unique word, it's translated in many ways in the Bible, and in this case it says an overseer must be prudent. So prudent is defined as the ability to govern and discipline oneself by the use of reason. It's classically considered to be a virtue and one of the four cardinal virtues, actually. And it's showing care and thought for the future. So I was thinking future. You know, uh, Steve Covey would have loved this word because he used to say, you know, see the end at the beginning. Henry Cloud in his book, Nine Things You Simply Must Do, would affirm this because he says, play the movie. You know, Dave Ramsey in Teaching People Financial Peace says, you know, be willing to live like no one else so you can live like no one else. And this is what we're talking about. We're talking about the guy who has wisdom to live beyond his present situation, to look to something in his future. You know, this this man of prudence we're talking about here, or wisdom as I call it, he practices self-control and discipline and sensibility. Unlike the story in this, I read about this funny story. I got to tell you guys this funny story. This guy dies. He goes to heaven. He stands before St. Peter at the pearly gates. Peter says, hey, have you done anything? Again, this is theologically completely not accurate, guys. I'm just telling you, don't, <laughs> don't write in and say, oh, come on, that's not truth. You're right. It's knowledge without truth. <laughs> but it's a joke, so it's okay. Um, Peter greets him at the gates and says, hey, have you ever done anything brave or noteworthy in your entire life? And the guy says, well, you know what? Actually, one thing does come to mind. He said, once I walked up to a gang of rough-looking guys who were harassing a pretty young lady, and I demanded they take their hands off her, but they wouldn't do it. So I proceeded to find the biggest, meanest-looking guy. He had tattoos all over his body. He was clearly their leader. I walked up to that guy, and I tipped over his bike, I ripped out his nose ring, I threw it back in his face, and I pointed my finger at him and all of them, and I said, you guys leave her alone or you're going to answer to me. St. Peter was clearly impressed. He said, man, that's amazing. When did all this happen? The guy thought, he goes, oh, about five minutes ago. (laughs) (laughs) The guy probably could have used some wisdom. So the word that Paul uses here is the Greek word sophron. And this word is a very confusing word. And even the Greeks back, you know, 2,000 years ago struggled with understanding this word. This word is like trying to herd cats. You know it needs to get done. You just don't know how to do it because this word is so diversely used. So in the New International Version of the Bible, this word sophron is translated in three different ways. One, as self-controlled. Two, as reasonable. Three, as clear-minded. Other Bible translations use the word prudent, New American Standard, sober, King James Version of the Bible, discreet, 
Darby version, Sensible, Holman Christian Standard version, and Sober-Minded, New King James version. So you can see how this word is confusing for people. So when you see the word sophron in the Bible, it can be translated in many different ways. William Barclay, one of my favorite commentaries, almost seemed exasperated with this word, and he wrote this, we have translated sophron as prudent, but it is virtually untranslatable. It is variously translated as of sound mind, discreet, prudent, self-controlled, chaste, or having complete control over sensual desires. The Greeks derived it from two words. This is important. So the two words that the Greeks used to define this word is sozo and friend. Sozo means to save, and friend means the mind. So this literally means to keep one's mind safe and sound. It can also mean to have a safe mind. Now, I don't know about you, Dale, but there's a phrase that I like to say to guys. It's lock it down. I say that all the time. Hey, you just got to lock it down. Shut down those emotions. Put them in a box or suck it up, buttercup. In other words, hey, man, embrace the suck. Deal with it. You know, these are phrases that, or control yourself or get a grip on yourself, man. These are all phrases that we use to describe this word sophron that, like I said earlier, comes from sozo, which means to save, and friend, which means the mind. So there are, let me tell you what other guys in this period of time said, uh, other Greek dudes. Amblichus, around 245 to 345 AD, called Sophron, quote, the safeguard for the most excellent habits in life. Pythagoras, where we get the Pythagorean theorem in 570 to 495 BC, said it's the foundation on which the soul rests. Plato said it was the mastery of pleasures and desire, and Aristotle said it is, quote, the power by which the pleasures of the body are used as law commands. So when I think of this word, I'm thinking of the gun safe that I have at my house. I take that safe, I put things in it, I lock it, I have a combination for it, and it's very difficult to get to. When I think of the the man who is a man of wisdom, the man who is a man of prudence, the man who has a, who who makes decisions against himself, I'm thinking of the man who has the ability to take his passionate desires, his his the sins or the temptations, and he puts them in the safe and he locks them down. Ray Pritchard said this guy is a very unique guy. He describes this man as a gift, and he says he is, quote, a great man to have around when a tough decision needs to be made because he doesn't jump to conclusions or act solely based on his emotions. Personally, this is a challenge for me as a man because I am more emotive than cognitive. I read and educate myself because I realize my default is emotion, and I have had to train that out of me and train the cognition and the ability to make decisions against myself into my life. Now, so this guy that Pritchard's talking about, in my circles, I call this guy a gamer. And I'm not talking about a video gamer. I'm talking about a guy who's the real deal, who gets it done no matter what. The Sophron man locks it down. He locks down unhealthy desires. Uh, he limits his choices for a better future, for uh, to become his best version. He's learned how to control his passions and channel them 
accurately and decisively. I mean, this guy, I don't know to tell you, this guy's a stud. This guy is a guy who can lock it down. I mean, this guy has the ability to walk in self-control. And so when I think of Sofran, I think of the decisions I've made to love my wife over a lifetime. I think of the decisions I made to stay healthy. Uh, I need Sofran to do the 65,000 push-up challenge. The push-ups aren't hard for me to do, but doing them every single day of the week, five times, a, five days a week, that is killing me because I have to put it in a, I have to lock it down. You know, I got up this morning before I came here, I did a hundred push-ups. I'll do another hundred push-ups here at lunch. I'll do another hundred tonight. I'm going to do 300 because I want to get ahead uh, in the push-up challenge. So this is very, very difficult to be a man who has a safe mind, to be a man who has the ability to lock it down. I want to conclude with another story, and this is really, really interesting. So in the 14th century, Duke Renald III was the Duke of what is now Belgium. Renald's younger brother, Edward, successfully and violently revolted against him, and after capturing Renald, Edward put him in an elaborate room surrounded by a beautiful by beautiful windows and doors, and they were always left unlocked. And Edward promised his big brother that the day he left the room, his title and property would be returned to him. Sounds simple, right? Well, here's the catch, guys. Renald was not only a big brother in age, but he was grotesquely, morbidly obese. This guy was a giant. And Edward built the doors and windows so that a normal-sized human could fit through them, but not his big, fat, grotesquely obese brother. He was so fat he couldn't fit through the door. So Edward, in an effort to help his brother, just said, hey, bro, if you can get through the doors and or window, I don't care, you're, you're good to go. So here, so he had to get his weight to a healthy weight before he could leave the room. So knowing that his older brother's gluttonous addiction to food and that he couldn't make decisions against himself, in other words, he had no ability to lock down his mind what he did was he sent his brother delicious food every day. He barraged him with food, tons of food. And over time, as you can imagine, Renald actually grew fatter and fatter. <laughs> Anytime someone accused Duke Edward of treating Renald cruelly, he would say, my brother's not a prisoner. He can leave whenever he wills. But it wasn't true because his brother could not will himself to control the food intake. Renault stayed in that room for 10 years and wasn't released until after his brother Edward died. But by then, his health was so bad, he died within a year. He was a prisoner of his own appetite. In other words, he was in bondage to food and he lost his ability to make decisions against himself. His story reminds me of a personal story. My son Darby and I were climbing the third tallest mountain in Oregon, uh, the South Sister. And it was one of the most grueling climbs I've ever done. At, at, at one point in the steepest part of this climb, it was, uh, I think, six miles up and 5,500 feet of elevation gain. Darby was carrying my food. He was carrying my jacket. He had everything except for my backpack that had water in it. And at one point we're sitting down. He's been he was waiting for me. I was just grinding it. It was brutal. And at one point I said, "Man, I'm just this is hard because I'm a big dude trying to go up this hill." 
And my son Darby said, and Darby's very unemotional. And Darby is 26 and he's already bought two houses on his own income, no help. He said, Dad, your weight is your choice. <laughs> what, what could I say to that? What could I say to that? You know, this, this word, uh, sophron in the Greek, means safe mind. In other words, lock it down. In Romans chapter 12, verses 2 and 3, Paul says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove the will of God is his good and pleasing and perfect will. For through the grace given me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think to have a sound judgment, or sophron. And that's what we're talking about, guys, the ability to make a decision against yourself for the sake of wisdom. I pray for guys all the time. I, when guys come to me, I love to pray with these guys. And there's two two verses I use 99% of the time. One is Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. It deals with anxiety. The other one is James chapter 1, verse 5. It's, it's a time in the Bible where God actually promises us that if we pray this prayer, it is a guarantee he will answer it. And it's this, here's the prayer, guys. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given. Not might be, not should be, but will be. It will be given. And so, guys, I would just say, guys, it is time to pray for wisdom. If you're, there's an error in your life or you cannot make decisions against yourself, pray for wisdom and ask God to give you a way to lock down your mind, to live with wisdom, to forsake immediate pleasures for the ultimate goal in your life. And I think this is what's going to really, really help you guys along the way. So Dale, what's up, man? Take us on home. Yeah, man, head on over to our website at meninthearena.org and pick up your free electronic version of our book. Tell them what great fathers tell their sons and daughters. And while you're there, click on Join Our Program. You'll be led to a place where you can join one of our many teams. And if you don't see a time or day that works for you, check back in a few months when we launch new teams. Until next time, fill the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out and be a man. You've been listening to the Men in the Arena podcast. If you hunger to be your best version, then join thousands of men from around the world in our Men in the Arena forum on Facebook. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of biblical manhood. Make sure to explore our website at meninthearena.org, sign up for the weekly equipping blast, and take advantage of our many free resources designed to help you become your best version of a man. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. Remember, when a man gets it, Everyone wins. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men's from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.